Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. <clears throat> Wonderful to see everyone. Just uh, so I know what I'm dealing with here. How many of us have already opened our presents this morning? Wow, not many. Okay. And how many are still yet to open our presents? All right. So you're all hoping for a short sermon. That's what I'm going to take away from that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you could open up to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. I thought Tim got us off to a great start last week to help us think about the fact that Christmas is a rescue mission. That it's not just Jesus in a manger, a baby in a manger, but it's God going about to rescue his people from their sin and to bring him home, to bring them home to be with himself. And really, I just want to continue to reflect on that and think about the gifts that Christ came to give. You know, he was a gift to us, but he also came so that he would give us gifts. And some of those gifts are described in Revelation chapters 19 to 22, and so we'll look at a few of those together. But as we think about the book of Revelation, I think a lot of us think of it as, you know, this crazy book, all these wacky things are happening, and we're trying to figure out, you know, the signs of the times, and can we figure out where we are in the book of Revelation? But at the end of the day, the book of Revelation was written to us. It was written to the church, and it was meant to be a great encouragement. It wasn't primarily written so that we could figure out the exact timing of all these end-time events. It was really written to us to be an encouragement. No matter what's happening, no matter how hard life gets, Jesus came, and Jesus is coming again. And that's what I really want this Christmas to be all about, that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how hard things have been in 2022 or even beyond, that by God's grace, we'll be able to weather whatever comes our way with the confidence knowing that he came and that he's going to come again. And so let me pray, and then we're going to look at some of the gifts that Christ came to give in his first coming. Father, it is so wonderful to be with your people on Christmas Day, the day that we celebrate this, you sending your son and him coming as a baby to rescue us from our sin. There's no better place to be than right here. And Lord, there's no greater way to remember the things that Jesus came to do than Christmas, that he came, he had to be made like us so that he could offer himself for sin and be an acceptable sacrifice on our behalf. But the reason he wanted to do that was so that he could bring his children back to the Father. And we are so thankful that as we remember his first coming, as we reflect on our salvation, that it reminds us that he's coming again and that we're going to spend eternity with you and with him where there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, just unending enjoyment of you for all eternity. Lord, as we remember Christ's first coming, may it excite us for his second coming and the fulfillment of all the promises that you gave throughout scriptures that you would be our God and that we would be your people and that we would dwell with you again forever. Encourage us this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I want us to consider three gifts that Christ came to give. Uh, now as we do that, I'm going to need some help. 
Uh, and so I have these couple packages up here, one over here, one over there. And I want these packages to serve as sort of object lessons to remind us of some of the things that Christ came to give us. So out there somewhere should be someone with a little paper from Miss Sandy that says, when I ask for the gift number one to be open, that you get to come up and receive that gift. So who has that piece of paper? Anybody? <clears throat> yeah, back there? All right, come on up. So this is gift number one to remind us of something that Christ came to give us. All right. Come on up. You got a helper. What's your name? What's that? Maloney. Maloney? What's your name? Amatifu? Wow. Good to meet you guys. You want to open this gift? It's for you. Right, you can take the ribbon off here. You want to slide it off? I'll help you. There you go. Slide that off. Open this. All right, what's in here? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is in here, but it's Mickey Mouse on what's this? A plate, yep, and a bowl, and a cup. So when do you use a plate and a bowl and a cup? When do you use it? Yeah, yeah when you eat, right? As your stuff. Yeah. So you use these things when you eat. And so this is a reminder that Jesus came to invite you to dinner. Yes, he will come and make dinner. Yes, he's going to come and invite us to dinner. So there you go. Thank you for coming up here. Enjoy that. Nice to meet you both. <clears throat> and so that's number one. The first gift that Christ came to do was he came to invite you to dinner. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I love this. Jesus came to invite you to dinner. He didn't come to make you his servant. right? He didn't just come to forgive your sin and then send you on your way to do whatever you wanted. No, he came to invite you to dinner. That you would be with him. That everything that you enjoy about being around the table with the people you love, that's what God wanted for you. He wanted to be gathered with you around his table to enjoy a meal together. And so he sent his son to pay for your sin so that you could be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And not just invited, you are the bride. 
you're not just there. You're not just happy to be there. You found a ticket on the ground. No, you are the bride. You're the guest of honor at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is why Jesus came. And that is an astonishing invitation. And it's astonishing for several reasons, but the first one is this, that you got invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because you know you. You don't deserve to be there. You have no business being at the table with a perfectly loving father. You know there's actually another dinner described in Revelation 19? It's when all the enemies of Christ rally themselves together to make war against the lamb. But they find out that the lamb's not just a lamb. He's the one who comes on a horse as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But here's the invitation that all those enemies get. Look at Revelation 19, verse 17. Here's your invitation to the other dinner. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly over your head. Come gather for the great supper of God. Kids, cover your ears. To eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses in their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. That's the other great supper that's happening at the same time as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's really the supper that we belong at. Because we, are, we were Christ's enemies. We didn't want anything to do with him. That's the dinner that we should be at. We should be the entree, not the guest of honor. I mean, look what happens to them in verse 21. Look what should have happened to us. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. And so how is it that us, the ones who deserve to be at that dinner, how is it that we get invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb as his bride? Something else that's astonishing is who's doing the inviting. Christ himself is the one who invites us to the dinner. But why should he, he has no business inviting us? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and we've told him we want nothing to do with him. So how is it that he can invite us to dinner? One more astonishing thing about this dinner. Look at verse 8. What are we wearing at this dinner? It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Where did we get those clothes we don't have bright and pure garments that we can put on ourselves so that we're fit to attend this dinner. So how is it that we can get invited? How is it that he can invite us, legitimately invite us, and how is it that we're wearing clothes that are bright and pure? Well, it's all because he came the first time. He came as a baby. He came as flesh and blood like you and me, so that he could lay down his life to invite us to dinner. Look at Revelation chapter 5, 
How is it that we can be invited? How is it that he can invite us? It says in verse 9, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why is he worthy? For you were slain. How can he invite us to dinner? And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He laid down his life for us. By his blood, he purchased us. And where did we get our clothes? Turn over to Revelation chapter 7. Verse 14. Like the ones coming out of tribulation, it says at the end of verse 14, they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's how he can invite us to dinner. That's how he can invite us to dinner. And that's how we can be found wearing robes bright and pure because he came as a baby. His first coming was really a preparation for his second coming so that we could be invited to eat with him in his home forever. This year, our family watched uh, a new Christmas movie to us. It's not a new movie. We're like 10 years behind on movies. Uh, but we watched a movie called Arthur Christmas. Has anyone ever seen Arthur Christmas? It's kind of a cute little cartoon Christmas story. Nothing to do with Jesus, uh, all to do about Santa. But in this movie, you know, Santa kind of has all these elves, and they come down like kind of like Navy SEAL style to deliver all of Santa's presents, right? There are some through the chimney, some through the doggy door, some through a window, and they all come down and they give presents to all of the kids. Uh, and there's one elf who his job is to fill each stocking at the, kid, the foot of each kid's bed. And so sort of in this kind of blink and you might miss it moment, uh, you see this elf pull out this little scanner and he scans the kid that he's about to give the you know, gifts to and it comes out to like 74% nice, okay? Then he's got this gun full of presents and he shoots them into the stocking, you know, 74% worth of you know, gifts for this kid because he's nice. Well, the next elf goes to his kid, and he sort of scans this kid, and it comes out like 64% naughty. So he's not going to get anything good in that stocking. So, but this elf, you know, he's a kind elf, and so what does he do? He scans himself, right? And it comes out to like, you know, 87% good, so not even the elf is perfect. But then he's able to give gifts based on an 87% nice rather than the 64% naughty. And in an infinitely greater way, that's really what Jesus did for us. He came to earth, and if he were to scan any one of us, it would come back naughty, right? And not 54% or, you know, we're not close to being nice. Like, no, we're naughty. There's nothing good about us in and of ourselves. So he could scan every single one of us, and it would come back with the same result. And he wouldn't be able to give us any gifts because we don't deserve anything. In fact, we deserve punishment. So what does Jesus do? Instead of scanning us, he scans himself. And he's able to give the gifts that he deserves to us. But even more than that, when he scans us, he actually has to take our punishment. We can't receive his gifts until he takes our punishment. And that's why he came. He came to pay our debt 
and then scan himself so that we could be forgiven and that he could give us all the gifts that he deserves. And one of those gifts being we get invited to this dinner. Now this is a stunning invitation, but it's also a sober warning because you are going to be the guest at one of these two dinners. You will either be at the great marriage supper of the Lamb or you will be at the other great supper of God where you will be the main course for the birds of the air to eat. And so come and accept Christ's invitation. You don't want to go to that other dinner. You want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb sitting and fellowshipping with your Savior for all eternity. And so come and receive Christ's gift. Come and receive his invitation to dinner with him. Now there's another gift that Christ gave, and so I need another volunteer to open up gift number two. So whoever has the page that says gift number two, would you come up and open this gift? Perfect. It's a girl, and I wanted it to be a girl because this is a little more fragile, and I can't, you can't trust boys with fragile things. All right, what's your name? Juliana. All right, we're going to open this one up. We can pull this here. All right, what is this? It's a little heavy. Careful. You ever seen one of those before? What is that? A snow globe. You want to turn around so everyone can see it? Look at that. Can I give it a little shake? There you go. Three snowmen and a snow globe. There you go. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming up here. (laughs) So a snow globe. A snow globe is one of uh, Rhonda's, you know, favorite childhood Christmas decorations. And there's something kind of magical about the snow globe, right? That no matter what's going on outside of the snow globe, inside the snow globe, everything is perfect. And it's just the way it should be. And it's glittering, and it's warm, and it's friendly, and it's inviting. And that's really, what, again, another gift that Christ came to give. He came to make all things new. He came to make life like the inside of that snow globe. Because we all experience life outside of the globe all too often, every day even. The last couple of weeks, our family has experienced life outside of the globe in a lot of different ways. It started about a week and a half ago when our Christmas present was I went to lunch with somebody in Vallejo. I drive a Prius. Now most of you probably already know how this story ends. But our catalytic converter got stolen a week and a half ago. So that's life outside of the globe. A few days later, our kitchen faucet started leaking, and so it broke. I'm not the most handy of persons, but I tried to fix it. Uh, I tried to get this part off so that I could replace it. For the life of me, I couldn't get it off, so I kind of went to bed frustrated and angry. I let the sun go down on my anger, but it wasn't toward a person. It was to our faucet, and it wouldn't budge. The next morning I woke up, I finally got this piece to come off so that I could replace it and fix our faucet. In the process of me fixing the faucet, the hot water valve under the sink started to leak, and that had to be replaced. I think the next day, some, a toilet valve in the tank, that started leaking. And over the last couple weeks, just our front door hasn't really been opening very well. The latch is kind of not working all that well. So we're experiencing life outside of the globe. 
Now, don't worry. God has graciously provided all that we need to get all the repairs and everything, so we're not in need. But as I think about it, you know, why did God allow all these things to happen two weeks before Christmas? And I think it was to remind us that this world is not our home. We're not going to spend eternity with leaky faucets and stolen goods and broken things around the house. He came to make all things new. Now, we've just had a rough couple weeks, but as you think about even just the last year in our church family, think about how many things that we've had to experience outside of the globe. Shoulder surgeries, broken ankles, bad backs, cancer diagnoses, death. I mean, how many of us have lost aunts, uncles this year? Cousins? Brothers and sisters, maybe mothers or fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, husbands or wives. And then think what life is like outside of the globe spiritually. Temptation, falling to sin, anxiety, doubts, depression. That's what life is like outside of the globe. And that's what Christ came to rescue us from. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. Tim read these verses last week, and they're worth reading again. Christ came to make all things new. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to what he'll do. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall be, there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Maybe like some of you, I think when John heard that voice from the throne saying those things that tears began to fill his eyes and he just dropped the pen and so the one on the throne also has to say at the end of verse 5 he said write this down this isn't just good news for you John this is good news for everyone write this down for these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. He came to make all things new. No more leaky faucets. No more stolen cars. No more breakdowns. No more repairs. No more bad backs. No more sore knees. No more cancer diagnoses, no more death, no more goodbyes, only hellos, no more separation, only reunion. 
No more temptation. No more doubts. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more sin. Forever. And so are you tired of the same old, same old? And are you ready for something new? And when he makes something new, it's not just new in the sense that, like, it's not going to get old or it's not old. What he makes new is something that has never been experienced before, and it will never get old. Right? It's different than the fly sweater that you got for Christmas this year, which is in really right now, but, you know, next year, maybe not. Or the iPhone 14 that you've really been longing for that will then be replaced by the iPhone 15. No, when he makes something new, it remains new forever. And that's what we're looking forward to. No more tears forever. No more sin forever. No more death forever. He makes all things new. So come and receive his gift. If you don't receive his gift, you won't receive anything new. It'll just be more of the same and worse every day of your life and then into eternity. Now, there's one more gift that Christ came to give that I want to touch on this morning. And I didn't want any child to leave empty-handed, so this is going to be a gift for everyone. Uh, but don't bum-rush the stage here. Uh, we're going to give it to you on your way out. On your way out, you will receive a gift, and I'll tell you what that gift is here in a moment. But that gift is to remind you of this, that Christ came to dazzle you in God's presence forever. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. Verse 1. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. You are going to get back to the Garden of Eden. Everything that was lost in the fall is going to be restored, right? The tree of life that was then forbidden after Adam and Eve's sin, right? Angels with swords of fire blocking it. There's no way you're ever going to eat from that tree, and now it's back. And it's yielding fruit month after month after month, and you're going to get to eat of that fruit. And you're going to get to drink from the river of life that is always flowing from the throne of the Father and of the Lamb. What was lost at the fall is restored when Christ comes again. If you think about it, the Bible is the book of Emmanuel. It started in Genesis with Emmanuel, Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day, face to face with God. But then it was broken through sin and through the fall. But one day, it'll be restored, and we will once again be face to face with God. Look at what he says in verse 4. If anyone asks you, what's the high point of Scripture? What's the best verse in the Bible? I suggest to you, Revelation 22, verse 4, they will see his face. <laughs> 
you will see the face of God. Everything that was lost in the fall is restored because Christ came the first time, and Christ will come again so that you can see God. Face to face with God. And how we got from Emmanuel of Genesis to Emmanuel of Revelation was Emmanuel, God with us at Christmas. That he came. He came to restore Emmanuel. That it was always in the temple that there were sort of glimpses of the glory of God, but you could never quite see it. When Christ himself came, you could see a greater display of the glory of God, but because of our sin, we're still hindered from experiencing it. The Old Testament says no one can see God face to face and live. And Revelation 22 verse 4 says they will see this face. Because Christ came, unhindered access to God forever. Face to face with your Savior and with the Father. And the end of verse 4 says this, and his name will be on their foreheads. Now kids, don't get any ideas. Uh, Don't go up to your brother or sister and start writing things on their forehead or even on your own forehead. But what's going on? Why does God write his name on our forehead? Well, why do we write our name on things? Because something's valuable and important. And we want everyone to know that it's ours, right? So you get the new ALF lunchbox for Christmas. Like, the first thing you're going to do, write your name on that thing, right? Because you don't want some kid at school taking that from you. So you put your name on it. Or to think about it this way, God wants to be associated with us. Imagine, you know, maybe you don't have to imagine, maybe you went out this week, Christmas shopping with the kids. And you're out, and there's all the hustle and bustle. There's all kinds of people around. And then let's say that your kid just has an epic meltdown, right? Right in the middle of Walmart or Target or wherever you are. It's like, how do you feel as a parent in that moment? Would you like to be associated with your child who's having the epic meltdown? Or do you kind of lock eyes with someone who's kind of looking at your kid and say, I'm going to go find their parents. I don't know what's wrong with them. Right? We, don't, we want to distance ourselves when people are not what we want them to be. Not your father. He wants to be associated with you. He's looking forward to the day when he can write his name on your forehead because you are his and he is yours. It's an amazing thought to think he wants to do that. He's not ashamed of you. He doesn't regret the day that he saved you. He's moving all eternity, day by day, closer and closer to the day when he gets to write his name on your forehead because you are his and he loves you. That's why Jesus came. So that we could be reconciled to God. Face to face with God. Tim read from Hebrews 4. Hebrews 2 says something similar. It's why Jesus came. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Therefore he had to become like them, like his brothers, in every respect— so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Galatians 4 says it this way, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, 
born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Jesus came to restore Emmanuel, that we get to be face to face with God. And his glory will be the light of heaven for all eternity. Look at verse 5, Revelation 22. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign with him forever and ever. Just earlier in Revelation 21, verse 23, it says this, And the city has no need of sun or moon or shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. We are going to be walking in the light of the glory of God and of the Lamb for all eternity. And so that's our last gift, the last gift that I'm going to give. On your way out, you'll get a pair of these very cool glasses. And with these glasses, you can look at any light, and it will break that light up into all the different colors of the rainbow. And let it be just the smallest taste of what it's going to be like for all eternity. When we get to be around this new Jerusalem, which is described with gold and precious jewels, and the light that's shining is the light of the glory of God and of the Lamb. That's where you're going to be spending your eternity if you know the Son, if you receive his invitation. And so let these be just the smallest reminder. On your way out, every child can grab one. Parents, I'm sorry, you'll have to borrow them from your kids. They are pretty cool. But let it be a reminder that Christ came to dazzle you in the presence of God forever. Now, the wonderful thing about Revelation is that Christ himself tells us three times in the last chapter of Revelation, he is coming soon. Look at verse 7. Behold, I am coming soon. Verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. Verse 20, surely I am coming soon. If you've accepted his invitation, that's a wonderful truth. He is coming soon, and all of these things are coming with him, all of these wonderful truths. If you've rejected his invitation, those verses should frighten you. Because when he comes again, he's coming to judge, he's coming to lay waste to all of his enemies and then to bring his child, children to himself. And so receive his invitation now, because he is coming soon. Look at verse 17. So many are inviting you. The Spirit and the bride say, Come! Come to Christ now! Let the one who hears say, Come! Let the one who is thirsty come! Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Come! Come to Christ today. Receive these gifts now. Now you might say, well, that's great. That, those are gifts for the future, but how do those gifts help me right now? It's like knowing the future absolutely helps you right now, right? Can you get by on a clunker car if you know that a Ferrari's coming in a few months? 
Like, now my Prius sounded like a Ferrari for a few couple weeks there when I didn't have a catalytic converter. Or how about this? Can you be content being single knowing that the love of your life is going to be walking through the door in just a short time? Can you handle the aches and pains of today knowing that you'll get a glorified body tomorrow? Can you say goodbye to your loved one now knowing that you'll spend eternity with them later? Knowing your future absolutely helps you today. Not to mention the fact that when you come to Christ, he doesn't become your God in the future. He becomes your God right now. And he will shepherd you through everything that happens in the course of your life until you're with him that day forever. And so may his first coming, what we celebrate at Christmas, his first coming, may that excite you for his second coming. When you will be with him forever when you will be dazzled in the presence of God forever, when all things will be made new forever. There's an old hymn called This Is My Father's World, and the last verse says this. It says, This is my Father's world. Oh, let me not forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is King. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let's pray. Father, you, you do reign, and we can be glad. And though the wrong does seem off so strong, we experience life outside of your the precious, you know, place that we're going to. We experience life outside of heaven all too often and all the aches and pains and difficulties and trials and tribulations that come with it. But may we be reminded that you reign. And may we be reminded that your son didn't just come once. He's coming again, and he says three times he's coming soon. And may those promises give us great comfort that we will be with him will be gathered around a table together eating the marriage supper of the Lamb where all things are new and we'll get to be dazzled in the glory of you and your Son for all eternity. May that be what Christmas is all about. That we would be like kids on Christmas Eve looking forward to Christmas Day, looking forward to the day that he comes back so that we might be with him and enjoy these gifts for the rest of of eternity. Lord, if there's anyone here who has yet to put their faith in Christ, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would do that. That they wouldn't delay. That they would know that he is coming soon. That they would know that they have sin and that there's no way they're going to stand before him in their clothes. They need the robes that are washed in the blood of the lamb. May they accept Christ's offer to receive them freely from him. No works, no penance, no nothing. Just receive the gift that he came to give them. And then they'll look forward to these future gifts as well. And encourage your people. Lord, I know it's been a hard year. Every year is a hard year. But help us to just have great joy knowing that it's not always going to be this way. All th the former things will pass away and you will make all things new. May we celebrate that and how you did that through the sending of your son this Christmas. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the day with your families.
reflecting on all the goodness that you have in Christ. We love you.